You're listening to the Vendo Podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Geffen Laredo. I am the advertising manager here at Vendo, and I am happy to be accompanied by the VP of Marketing at Seller Labs, Jeff Cohen. Thanks, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, Jeff Cohen, I've been involved in e-commerce since about 2005 when I started my first e-commerce website, textbooks.com. I've done um, everything from the e-com direct to consumer um, to the marketplace side. I really started in marketplace in about 2007, um, selling books and textbooks. Most of us who started back then started in the books and textbook space. and joined Seller Labs six years ago this summer um, and uh, have been with Seller Labs since pretty much since we got started. I think I was employee number five or something like that. And um, I pretty much do uh, all the marketing for the company and have the opportunity to speak with uh, hundreds, if not thousands of sellers every year to gain an understanding of insights and knowledge of uh, what's working and what's not working in Amazon from advertising to listing optimization to inventory to products to importing. Um, I think today we're talking specifically about advertising. And, um, you know, when I'm not busy on the Amazon circuit, I'm uh, following the Cardinals in, uh, in baseball, you know, trying new whiskeys and bourbons or uh, hanging with my kids, playing, playing baseball, riding bikes, trying to keep, uh, keep everybody active. Yep. Well, uh, I think the baseball season was halved this year, correct? Or it's something like yeah. 60 games. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't, so now we'll have to know. actually watch every game. Right. Exactly. Every, everything matters. Everything matters. Well, all right. Let's, let's jump into that. Thanks for that intro, Jeff. So today we're, we, we are talking about uh, on, on Amazon advertising. Um, we're going to go through a couple of you know, the new features, a couple of some strategies that I know Jeff and I are very um, uh, familiar with. And uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we both do have that luxury of you know, meeting with just a ton of sellers, a ton of brands, uh, and getting that kind of well-rounded view of what works on Amazon as it pertains to advertising and, and I think in the process, understanding Amazon's platform itself much better. Yep. So the first topic I've cited for today is sponsored display um, advertising. Now, this is separate from DSP advertising. For those of you that don't know, there is a self-serve DSP function on um, Amazon advertising called sponsored display. And essentially what it is, is um, a feature where you can kind of mimic some of those features that Amazon DSP has, which is on and off of Amazon um, advertising, top of funnel, uh, top of funnel uh, impression-based advertising. Um, Jeff, what are some of your thoughts on its functionality, its uh, efficacy, and have you seen any successes with it? Yeah, I mean, I think that in general, it's, um, it's a newer ad format. Um, anytime there's a newer ad format, that equals uh, less competition and you can usually get better return on your investment. Um, as you mentioned, it's, it's movement to self-service opened itself up, right? So if you were in the old DSP model, it was a thirty thirty-five thousand mm -hmm. $35,000 minimum investment to get it. Um, DSP is, is very complicated in terms of how you create audiences. And um, this is a lot more simplistic version of that, but it really um, expands the reach of your audience um, and allows you to uh, get on and off of Amazon. Um, we found it very successful in complementing um, our, our, our current ads. Um, 
what we have found is that it works well on products with a lot of traffic, right? So you really need uh, a thousand sessions per month, um, minimum um, to your product detail page for this to work. Because what it's doing is, is it's using the traffic to your site or to your product detail page to build an audience um, to then look for other people that are like that to, um, to, to, to bring them in. Um, and you get some cool metrics, right? You get some, some cool performance metrics um, that you can use to kind of adjust this in real time. Um, and, you know, it gives you an ability to kind of set up some, and I know we're going to get into some of the specific targeting, but it allows you to target based on um, um, views, which is like understanding what they have looked at, what they haven't targeting similar products or such. Um, products, so so specifically um, products that they have or interest um, and, and the types of interest that people um, could potentially have that would, um, that, that would be interested in yours. And each of those different targetings um, are a little bit different depending on whether you're on the vendor side, on the seller side, whether you have brand registry, whether you don't have brand registry. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of little but and ifs uh, when talking about sponsored display. Absolutely. And I, th and I think you made a good point about it being new. One of the things that we as sellers know with Amazon is we're kind of the guinea pigs with their new features. So we're out there, you know, testing these out on the front lines and, and, and seeing, you know, if they work. And, and I've, seen, I've seen DSP work and you are correct. I think I've only seen it work on the bigger brands. Um, and it's used kind of as a tangential supplemental feature where, you know, if you've got a robust ad set up, you know, if you're driving a lot of traffic, a lot of traffic with non-branded non keywords, if you're doing a lot of keyword discovery, um, and you have some really strong uh, competitors in your space that you do want to kind of, you know, kick off of their pedestal, this can be a nice supplement. I would yep. say to expect a high A cost. Um, that's usually the case, not always, but at least in my experience, I've seen a higher than average A cost for DSP. But let's explain, let's explain why. Okay. Because I think that sellers who are used to driving low A cost, um, as their primary goal for advertising are typically trying to get people at the point of um, at the point of consideration and, and, very, and very down funnel. Correct. So when you move to sponsor display, you move like, you move like to the opposite end of the funnel. Literally hundred percent. Right. So, so, so it's naturally going to do things like be more expensive from an A cost perspective because you're going after your, you know, think of the funnel, right? Uh, the funnels, this big gigantic hole at the top. And now you're going for the people at the top versus like sponsored products, which is all the way at the bottom. Yep. And it should be noted too, though, that, that as Amazon's algorithm evolves, um, what, what they've been focusing on heavily, and I've gotten confirmation from Amazon on this, is they're actually running very smart funnels. So they're aware due to a, AWS, uh, due to various email links, basically their whole data pool. Yep. They're aware, obviously within a margin of error, of how far down the funnel you are. So whether or not you've clicked on a competitor, they know that. Whether or not you've yep. clicked on this product, they know that. Whether or not you've gone to this product's website, if it's hosted by AWS, they know that. So, yeah. so, as so Amazon, this, uses a, Amazon uses a system called lookers and shoppers. 
And Amazon can actually analyze through their algorithm the difference between somebody who's a looker and who's a shopper. And um, so I guess the easiest way I've used to describe this is like a looker is somebody who, on the Amazon site, the easiest way to describe this is that a looker is somebody who's um, doing keyword searches, right? Mm -hmm. Search terms. Non-branded, broad. Non-branded, broad. I'm looking for an apple slicer. Um, When you go into a shopper, a shopper is somebody who's on, I'm going to even skip product detail page. They're on add to cart, thank you page. So you know, complimentary purchases, things like that. And so again, like if Amazon knows that you just bought a pair of shoes and you sell shoelaces, they know that you're in the market, you bought a pair of shoes and you might need a pair of shoelaces or you might need some odorizers for your shoes. And so Amazon can make some predictive analysis based on past behavioral histories um, yep. to, to target these ads. But, but it, is, it is just setting a few parameters right? And so there, there, there are a couple of cons I wanted to make sure, not cons, but disadvantages that I wanted to make sure we, we covered as well, because we could talk about how great things are, but we should talk about where to be warned. Um, the biggest difference for people is that um, these ads will run if you go out of stock, right? So uh, this isn't like sponsored products where if you don't win the buy box, the ad turns off. These, these will run if you go out of stock. And the other one is that you do have some limitations within your reporting and you have some limitations in what, in the way to choose placements, right? So, in, in, and we're going to get into dynamic bidding where you can um, pick all these different placements inside Amazon. Now you don't really get placement choice uh, within this and you have very limited reports. So you're kind of the way I've always described it to people when, when they ask if this is right for them is like, you're kind of at the will of Amazon's algorithm to make your ads work right. It's like an auto campaign. Yeah. One step, one step above an auto campaign. Yeah. A little, yeah. A little more, a little more sophisticated, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we can kind of transition, which is still on DSP into the sponsored display product targeting. And that's kind of where you're talking about that one step up where you can choose competitors product to target the same functionality as product targeting in uh, regular ads, but you can do it on DSP. Yep. And that's, that's, that's where you can customize a little bit. And that's where you can go after uh, competitors on, on the, towards the top of their funnel as well. Yeah. Um, and that's where Amazon is really expanding and, and they're making it more competitive. And, you know, to your point about disadvantages, excuse me, to your point about that, um, it, it, it definitely, you know, all these things always can tend to sound a lot better than they are. Oh, Amazon's, you know, targeting likely shoppers. How likely? We don't know. Um, there's millions of them. I know that Right. We're, we're running uh, DSP for one of our clients and they said that the basket of shoppers is, was, was, was like a hundred million people. I mean, just a massive, <laughs> <laughs> basically half of America right, is a likely right. shopper. So, so it's taking those things with a grain of salt, but um, have you done uh, sponsored display product targeting? Um, yeah, we've and- actually, we've actually found really good success with this um, because if, okay, so, so when we, when, when we build campaigns, so when, when our, services group builds campaigns for people, right? And you have to choose what type of campaign you're going to, you're going to build. And so if you're trying to do a brand conquer campaign, this really starts to help where you can really say like, I want to go steal somebody else's market Mm -hmm. share. Now, remember the reverse is also true because you can use this to defend. And this is an ad placement that used to exist. And, um, 
And sellers used to uh, for effectively game the system by trying to have a vendor account and a seller account so they could actually get this ad placement. And so the cool ad placement here with the product targeting is the ability to show up on the shop on the uh, shopping results page um, or the far right side of the product detail page um, or alongside customer reviews of your yep. products, your competitors' products. And, and the really cool thing about this, the, the one that the, the, the combo that we've really seen work is when you run a coupon and you run sponsored display product targeting. Because what happens is, is that little coupon badge shows up in your ad. And that coupon badge is that orange badge with either a dollar off or a percent off. And it just grabs the attention from somebody that says there's a deal or there's a savings on buying this product. And yeah, so and if that's an effective, and if, and if you're effective in targeting other products, targeting your uh, competitors, then you have a much higher chance of, of literally stealing them at the point of sale. Yeah, exactly. And so if you can go after somebody with, um, you can go after a, a, a conquer campaign where you, where you know you're, you're priced within them, but your price is a little bit better. Now you, you, you have to, you know, you, you have to be somewhat close with the number, not count of reviews, but the number of stars in the review. And you got to be close within the price. I've actually realized a lot of buyers are kind of dumb. <laughs> they can't do the math. Luckily, buyers aren't watching this video. <laughs> right. They can't do the math. Um, and so a, a big question we get, I'd be curious your response on this, but a big question sure. we get a lot is like, do you do dollar off or percent off? Um, and, and which ones seem to work better? Um, and, and what we have found was that it depends on your price point and how easy the math is for somebody to see that 15% off is $8 or is it easier to see that it's $8 off? Yep. Uh, you know, if you do, if, if doing dollars off does the math for somebody, then do, uh, do the dollars off versus doing the percentage off. But that's where we found it to be ultra highly successful is when we're able to run that targeted campaign with a coupon um, that is like, in all honesty, you said it, it's just targeted to steal sales from yep. your competitor. Absolutely. And by the way, so, so I will answer your questions about the dollar versus the percent, but it's really helpful, you know, when you're doing what, sorry, what, what did you call it? You called it a brand takeover? What was the brand, brand conquer? Yeah. Brand, brand, brand conquer campaign. When you're running a ranking strategy alongside that, and this is a main competitor, you know, you guys are both in top three, top four in the space, you're each getting 20% of the conversions, and you want to like leapfrog them, stealing those point of sale orders is huge. So using this as a supplement to a ranking campaign is very valuable. And then to your question about the coupons, it, we, I kind of rank this like in the one of the top debates on Amazon, you know, there's like a few core debates, whether it's variations versus separate listings, coupon dollar versus percentage. I think a huge determining factor is the price of the product. You know, if you're getting a stationary bike, let's say, which is super uh, relevant right now, if you're getting a stationary bike and it's uh, $300, um, you know, 15% might not look as big as $45 off to a lot of people. So yeah. $45 off might look a little better. So I think it depends on the price partially for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think that it, it, as much math as you can do for the consumer saying you're getting this much money off, uh, I think is, is a very effective strategy. And especially yeah. when that coupon shows up. 
I mean, this sounds, this sounds really silly, right? Like, and I always like to bring it down to people at like the most basic level, but like at the most basic level, think of yourself as a shopper. Right. And if you're shopping for a product and you're not brand loyal, what's going to get your attention? So don't think about the brand loyal products like a deodorant or a toothpaste or something like that, where you're like, I have my brand and that's what I'm going to use. Think about the non-brand loyal products, which is probably what most of us are selling. And how are we going to, you know, on Amazon brand loyal, right? So, so, you know, if I've got a really good Bluetooth headset, um, I know I'm not Apple AirPods, but plenty of them sell that aren't Apple AirPods. Yep. So how am I going to make my product stand out and get somebody to try my product um, and who do I feel I can steal sales from? And I think in the same regard, if you're going to set up product targeting, don't target the products you don't think you can beat. Definitely. And, and, and you see that pretty early on. I mean, if you're running, you know, one conversion in a hundred clicks on a product that's cheaper, has a thousand more reviews than you, uh, is ranked higher, you know, target some lower hanging fruit first. I think that's one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make on Amazon in general, whether it's the keyword or whether it's an ad campaign is that they, they don't, they don't look at themselves realistically. They, they go don't, for gold. They don't, right. They go for the gold and, and, you know, they'll go for the most generic keyword, you know, in their, in their space versus going for a downstream keyword and building their way up to the, to, to the, to the keyword when they have the right sales volume to attack yep. it. And we've seen very positive results in general category ranking when you target those niche keywords first. Yeah. Because Amazon's got that bucket of keywords for each category. And if you're checking off the boxes on the lower ones, you're moving up the ladder. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you want to do is you want to go, you want to go pick those keywords where you can win and you can pick up a sale um, or two. And then when you get the sales volume going, then you can start going after the, and the reviews and then you can get the reviews and then you can go after the high range keywords. So Definitely. the right, the right way to do it in my mind, I know we're not talking about keywords, but the right way to do it in my mind is to, brainstorm all of your keywords and bucket them like that. Right. So down, uh, downstream, midstream, upstream, mm -hmm. and, and almost the easiest way is like the more descriptive of the keyword, the more downstream it is. Right. Um, so the more longer keyword, tailed keywords, right. The right. longer tail is going to be more downstream and, and that one word keyword is going to be the most upstream and, and just try to be logical in that. And your competitors that you're going after from a product display targeting perspective will most likely change as your volume goes up. Absolutely. Um, because I don't want to keep going after people that have really low volume. I want to go after people um, that, that have higher volume. Well, I'd say, I'd say you still want to go after those people, but you just want to go after more people kind yeah, of bigger not gonna, You're not going to get enough. You're not going to get enough of them to be adding up. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess, and then it's a question of, then it's a question of budget, right? Now it's a question of budget. Well, of, of course, it's always do I have a... enough budget to go after somebody bigger to get enough of their traffic to make it worthwhile. Yes. Stealing, stealing sales. If you're going to go for a leapfrog approach on ranking on, you know, a very generic search term, you got to be willing to spend the money because you best believe that that top seller is spending double. Yep. Um, so there, if, if, you know, you start showing up on top of page, whether it's for ads, whether it's for product targeting, whether it's for, uh, whether it's for a display, they're going to notice yep. and they're going to start targeting you as well. So, you know, you got to be ready. You got to have all of your weapons drawn 
when, when you're moving into that space. But targeting those niche keywords and uh, identifying the products to target on the display targeting to kind of bring it back, um, starting off on brands that you know, are a little smaller, you can definitely, maybe are more expensive, maybe have worse reviews than you. Um, that's, that's where you can really steal some sales. Um, so to move on to kind of price sensitivity on the seller side, um, and kind of looping in a, a, a new feature that isn't so new anymore, but it has, has gotten expensive. And I want to hear your thoughts is sponsored brands plus video formerly known as video and search. Yep. Um, what's your experience there? (laughs) Do you like how everything we talk about in ads has a formally known as name to it? Formally not. Well, I mean, it's a formally known acronym as well. I mean, VIS was like everything. And then, oh, today it's something different. Even uh, Amazon advertising got a name change pretty, pretty uh, recently. Yeah. So, so, so I think um, sponsor brand videos, uh, it's one of the areas that while the cost per click is getting a little bit higher, we're starting to see better results for our clients. Now, let me explain kind of why we believe the, the, the reason why prices are going up is because more and more people are being turned on to it. And in reality, there's just not a lot of inventory, right? So, so this comes down to, you know, I always like to say it depends. This comes down to it depends on how many people in your category are using this. And so we have definitely found some niches where, um, where the category is not using this at all. And therefore, you can slot in right now and still get really cheap videos and ads. Um, and I also think that, you know, you're going to see a lot of these videos on, we seem to see more of it on mobile than on um, the desktop. Um, so obviously it shows up on the product, on the product detail page and some other areas, but like it's really prevalent on the mobile site and, oh, yeah. um, and it drives massive sales from the mobile site. And, uh, and, and, and so while we're, while, while we're, we're losing maybe a little bit of cost or it's costing us a little bit more. Uh, the results are, are really extremely strong. Um, and what's cool is like, you can make these th- Most of our clients have made these with like cell phones. Oh yeah. Amazon's yeah. Amazon's uh, standards outside of, you know, the 1020 pixels or 1080 pixels or um, yeah. whatever it is. They're very lax. So, you know, you can make your brand video how you want to make it and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. We had a client who who we had a client who wanted to try this out, and what they did was they took essentially a slideshow, put some put about ten seconds of funky music into it, and then um, went into a video basically of a slideshow infographics of their product, and that was it. And they saw great results uh, from that from that campaign. And so, don't think that you got to go hire spend $10,000 making a video budget and putting this whole thing together, you know, test and test by just getting something going. And then as you get something going and you have a chance to kind of check it out, then you have an opportunity to say, okay, that worked really well, or that's not working well. Let's try a new video or something like that. Yeah. And, and to that end, you know, the reason why that's true is because no matter what video you have, you still have a video. And you're standing out against us. So like Facebook videos, for instance, if you scroll down Facebook, you're seeing hundreds of videos everywhere on the page. So it doesn't stand out right now. There's a sweet spot with Amazon where they've rolled it out to desktop. They've rolled it out to a lot of categories and 
there's only one slot on that first page. So you're yeah. the only video on that page, which means that you stand out regardless of, um, you know, if it's a high quality or a low quality video, um, as long as, you know, Amazon recommends that first image to stand out, um, to kind of catch the eye. And besides that, you're, you're pretty good to go. So, um, yeah, I definitely hear you. They mobile, it started on mobile, um, yeah. and it was only on mobile for a while. And I've seen them with the, uh, initial successes, just rolling it out like gung-ho. So that's how, I mean, that's how Amazon works in general, right? Like these guys, these ad placements, think of these ad placements as almost competing against one another. Right. And so they'll give you, they'll give an ad placement some space to, uh, to experiment and to learn and to, and to see value. And then as it proves itself, it gets more and more value. Um, now, a couple things that people should note on this. One is uh, it's currently only available in the U.S. So if you're selling in other marketplaces, expect that this will roll out as it, as it proves success. It'll roll out to, to other places. Um, the, it is recommended that you, you, know, that you, you put text, right? The, the underlying caption text. Because they um, start because without audio. Correct. It, it all runs without audio. And, and so if somebody doesn't turn on their audio, can they figure it out? And then the other big thing that I always like to remind people of is, is that it loops, right? So consider the idea that your video is going to loop, um, maybe have something at the end or, you know, or, or if you're really creative, you can actually make it, make the seamless, ad run right. into a loop and make it seamless. Um, I'm not good like that, but um, it is something to, to, to keep in mind um, as you're, um, as, as you're, you're preparing for this, um, and make sure you check out, right. I mean, we talked about, they have very few limitations or recommendations, but they do have criteria. So make sure that you're doing it. And the, and the, um, process for this is manual. Um, if you think about it, it makes sense that it's manual because they have to actually look at these videos and make sure they work. Yeah. Make sure there that is, they're not, there is a person that reviews the videos yeah. and, just to know something that we learned very, uh, very interesting. You can't mention any Amazon services on the video. So we had a video that said like uh, available on Amazon and we're advertising on Amazon and we actually weren't allowed to run that ad, uh, which is just a weird thing. So just make sure, you know, just keep it about the brand um, and you're good to go. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. remember that there, while they are where they, while there are humans that are, that are, Re reviewing these they're reviewing these in a programmatic format of just looking for things and if it says checklist. the word amazon they're going to cut you off you know yep. or something like that so i guess we're both just to close this out on the move on our last topic we're both in agreement that irrespective of the increasing cost per clicks the efficiency the efficacy and the uh conversion rates that we're seeing from video and search justify using yeah it. i think that you know that's a difficult Yes, it's a it's an ad format you should experiment with, and yes. I think you know depending on your budget and your brand and your size, um, you know I still see so many people get the basics of advertising wrong that they want to go run out and like take advantage of the new ad placements, but they still don't have you know dynamic bidding set up correctly, auto campaign set up correctly, broad phrase and exact set up correctly, that they're like trying to make their money over here in something without new without, without the basic foundation. No, for sure. So and 
So, so my hesitation, my only hesitation was it's like, if you've got the basics set up and up and running and going, then this is a great place to go and experiment. Well, take in mind, it is still keyword based targeting. So what you're doing on the keywords side and what we talked about before with niche keywords and not going after the largest, you know, search term, um, that matters too. So yes. having that set up and looking at where you're effective or where you're, uh, where you're uh, successfully ranking in, a, in the keyword based side, in the regular ad side, you can, you can transfer a lot of that. But if, it, if you're, you're right, if it's not set up correctly, then we're going to be looking at um, potentially uh, a waste of money there for, for some people. Um, yep. So you mentioned uh, di dynamic bidding um, and kind of how it works. So, so, so talk to me about where you've seen successes. Because I'll be honest here, I have... One of, one of my biggest frustrations with dynamic bidding is um, kind of how opaque Amazon is with how, mu with how much they're allowed to raise your bids. Um, so for those of you that don't know, if you're bidding a dollar and you authorize Amazon to uh, raise your bid by 10% for top of search placement, it actually authorizes Amazon to go up to $2.20, not $1.10. Um, and that's because Amazon says, we'll raise it 10% and then we're also authorized to raise it a further 100%. So Number one, if you're using any type of AI software, it can definitely challenge a lot of those, or it can definitely ham hamper some of those um, efforts. But I've also found that you can kind of lose track as an advertiser of those keywords if you're not very diligent about making sure that it doesn't go above your budget. Yeah, and, and so, so this is where Amazon had it really simplistic with a, with a product called bid plus. Yeah. I remember bid <laughs> okay. plus. it feels like, so, it feels like a lifetime ago. I think. Right. Plus. I think it was like, like a week ago. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yet it was like 10 years ago. Um, Amazon had this really simple with bid plus and bid plus was basically like, if we believe we can win by bidding more, can we bid more? Yes or no. Okay. That makes sense. Now, you've got to start with three different types of bid strategies, right? Um, the fixed bid, nothing changes. The dynamic bid, which is where you said you give them permission to go up an extra 100%, um, or the dynamic bid, which means they go down only. Right. And, and then you can add these bonuses, right? These multipliers on top of that. And that's kind of what you were saying by saying like, okay, if I want to go to top of search, I'll go 10%, but it's really 110%, not Correct. just 10%. And it, and it does get confusing. I actually disagree and would say that like, this is actually where I think a good algorithmic AI can solve this problem for you. Because to me, this is a math problem. Right. For sure. Um, is, especially when we start to have conversion rates and Amazon is now showing us the conversion rate of how do we perform when we're at top of search versus run of the page versus product detail page. I can now start to do the math and I can say, okay, my conversion rate on my page is X. My conversion rate on top of search is Y. That tells me exactly how much more I'm willing to bid for a top of search page because I know that I convert two times as much or three times as much or half as much. And so there's so many variables and strings to pull within this little, this little screen of dynamic mm -hmm. bidding that you really need algorithmic backup 
to help you understand what's going to be successful and what's not. And so this is where we often say that advertising on Amazon is a mixture of art and science. And so a little bit is the art of how much risk are you willing to take? And then the science of, and how much bid should you take to get mm -hmm. there? But you're right. Sellers can get lost in this very easily because their money can just get run away in, in, in categories that just don't make sense for them. And so we, we covered kind of the top of search, rest of search and, and, and such, but like we also have, you know, the auto campaigns, which have the ability to the close match the loose match, correct the to, 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 to get into additional, um, upbidding. Um, and so all of these, I think come into, in, in the way that we like to look at it is we like to look at each campaign having its own strategy. So if I'm going to go after loose match, I'm going to have an auto campaign targeting correct. loose match so that I can keep really good control over what's happening. Um, the beauty of bid plus was that there was a governor, if you, you know, think of driving like a go, um, a go-kart. Um, and that go-kart has a governor. So no matter how hard you push on that gas pedal, it won't let you go over right, a certain go speed, right? Miles an hour, sure. And then everybody knows that first time they get on a go-kart that doesn't have a governor and you realize that it actually goes a lot faster and you didn't realize it was actually there to protect you. Yep. That's you what out Bid on the Plus turn. was. Right. Yep. Bid plus was a governor that stopped you from, from hurting yourself um, in, in this. So I think the biggest thing for me is to use the data to tell you that going up makes sense. And then when the data is telling you that it's not making sense, come back down quickly. Yes, 100%. And, and, and you'll see that. So for those of you that don't know, you can look at the placements. Um, if you go into a campaign, and just click on placements, which is now on the left side, um, you'll be able to see where your ads are being placed and how they're converting. Yeah, um, think, and, about, think about this. If I place a bid and I say that I want a, a dollar bid and I say I want a 900% increase for top of search and a 400% increase for, for the product page and a dynamic bid of up and down, my bid can actually be up to $20. To $20. Yep, exactly. Right. So, so you've got to be careful when you just start pulling these triggers because they might mean something different than what you think. I think at the end of the day, it, it, it goes back to number one, exactly what you said is when you're running these specific efforts, especially when you, um, when you haven't run them before, make sure that that campaign is devoted to that effort. So you can very easily track it and it doesn't get lost in the rest of the keywords and the rest of the BS. You can just uh, isolate that test and say this worked or it didn't work. And then you're able to see a very clean cost per click and say, okay, I bid I uh, bid a dollar, I went up by 50%, I'm now averaging $3.20 and I'm not converting well, I'll stop this. Or holy shit, I'm converting really well, why don't we boost this up even further? So yes, isolating, and again, I mean, you know, we as advertisers know, having that foundation, having that setup being proper, making sure that your campaigns are, are uh, organized and strategized properly allows you to take those risks and have them be controlled risks. To, to, for, for your uh, analogy, for you to be your own governor and to have your structure work for you. And the other, the other thing that I'll say for the people going, God, advertising, it's so confusing. 
it's not confusing when you understand all these pieces and components. And in general, the Amazon system is designed to seek out opportunities for you. And then if they're not working to stop you from bidding on them. And so that's typically why you see where you see a campaign where your cost or your impressions spike up, but then everything kind of comes back down. And so you have to know how to pull these triggers. Um, and we'll call all of these triggers. You have to know how to pull these different triggers along the way, because the days of just setting an auto campaign and moving things from auto to manual and uh, broad to phrase and phrase to the exact, good old days, they still work. They do. They still work, but it will take you a lot longer to get there um, than if you know how to pull these triggers a little bit exactly. faster and use some of these more advanced features. Exactly. And, and, and what we're looking at too, and we can kind of close off pretty, pretty soon here, but what, what, what we're looking at too is, is, is we're looking at Amazon giving us more control. So when you look at an auto campaign and all of a sudden they've got, you know, close, loose, substitute match, Amazon was probably doing that themselves before. Now they're giving us the capability to kind of determine our own destiny. And you took the words out of my mouth, give them more of our money. Yes. So, so you always, as, as advertisers, we are so in tune with the fact that, that everything Amazon does is at the end of the day to make money. And yeah. when it comes to that's my biggest, that's my biggest warning to people. When you absolutely. get that email, when you get that email from Amazon that says, let our team help you, <laughs> or you get that email from Amazon that says, we have recommendations for your account. We believe you should be bidding this. We believe your budget should be this. My question that I, I'm not saying that their intention isn't good, but do they understand what your goals of your business are? Are their recommendations based on their goals or are their recommendations based on, based on I goal. think I can spend more of their money? Yep, 100%. You took the words out of my mouth. Um, that skepticism and making sure, you know, Amazon's a business. They make money. They make money off of our ads. So we need to make sure that everything you're doing, you know exactly as you said, is driving your profit margins, your bottom line up and is, and is working for you. So take those Amazon recommendations with a grain of salt. Investigate them. Maybe even test them out. But make sure you're always, you're, you're not just doing it because it's what Amazon's offering and it's supposed to work. You're doing it because you're seeing the results. Absolutely. Um, and as advertisers, we know that very well. Um, and and it's, it's just absolutely paramount to keep that in mind because if not, you'll just end up spending 900% of your bid uh, or 100% of your budget on two clicks. So, so making sure that you're you know, aware of that will allow you to be a much better advertiser on Amazon. Um, and I think on that note, uh, we can call it, Jeff. Absolutely. Sounds great. I appreciate you having me on and um, encourage anybody that has any questions about Amazon advertising, reach out to either one of us, um, yeah, LinkedIn, always, always available. Uh, email. I always say to people, I never give out my email, but it's really easy to find. It's <laughs> just my first name at sellerlabs.com. Yep. And mine is Geffen, G-E-F-E-N at vendocommerce.com. So Jeff, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your uh, expertise. Uh, and we look forward to maybe speaking in the future. Sounds great. Appreciate you having me on.